Throughout my adult life, my focus has been on making the world a more beautiful place. Initially, I pursued this goal as a hairstylist, working on the external appearance of individuals to make them feel more beautiful. However, I wanted more, so I began to shift my focus to helping people make better choices and achieve greater beauty from within. As a transformational life coach, I specialize in helping you identify and change the limiting beliefs that may be holding you back. Join me each week as we discuss, interview, teach, and explore the fundamental principles of healthy relationships. Welcome to Conscious Conversations with Louisa. In today's episode of Conscious Conversations with Louisa, I'm speaking with Dr. Steve Taubman. I'm really excited to have you on today because you started off as a chiropractor and then went into speaking on stages and writing uh, the book on hypnosis. And you have really participated and worked with a tremendous people that we've all heard of. And then recently you have really followed the hero's journey and gone into real estate too. So I cannot wait to dive deep into all of the exciting things that you've done in your life and get to know you more. One of the things that I, that I don't think you know this, but when I first interviewed you the very first time, a couple of years ago, you were my first interview. I had never interviewed anyone before. And well, you were great. What I loved, you didn't know this, and I you, you probably don't remember, but the minute we went on, yeah. what you helped me with was making sure we were on the same level in the photo, in the video. Yeah, that's right. You'll you see walked, me doing that from time to time. That's right. You walked you me through down. how to do it, and I had never done it before, and I so appreciated the kind way you s- supported me through the experience, and it was a fabulous experience for me and I continue doing interviews but you were my very first interview I'm going through a time right now in my life where uh, I just came through a few months of depression anybody here ever have that experience just like hitting a wall hitting a wall and I was really challenged and and I'm and I'm thawing out right now I'm thawing out and what's that what's happening is my emotions are like coming back and I'm you know things are making me tear up um like, I feel like my heart's opening back up again. And so that just did it. So thank you for that. Well, I was so grateful. Birthday? I'm so, that, did you just have a birthday? Is that what? Oh, that's an interesting question. Uh, no, I, my birthday is in June, June 4th. Um, but uh, I will, when we get into our conversation, I could talk a little bit about it, how, you know, what led up to uh, the, you know, the, the emotional challenges that I've been facing, but um but, you know, I feel like everything and we'll I'm sure we'll talk about this at length that, you know, as long as you're coming from a power of intention, that all of those things are are just steps along the way. You just have to, to stay in the state of faith that there's going to be another side to it. There's going to be, you know, another chapter beyond the one that you're stuck in right now. So I'm, th- I'm thankful that I'm starting to turn that page. Well, what's I think interesting is your core who you are doesn't ever go away. So regardless of what you may have going been going through behind the scenes, the way you were still showing up for the world and the even even for myself, I mean, I would see comments from you to me on my page, still cheering me on and still participating, always helped me feel 
that there was somebody who believed in me and who still was excited that I was doing great, regardless. I didn't even know what you were going through, honestly, but I reached out to you because it meant so much to me that you were still cheering me on. Thanks. And so that's what I, I want to go back to the beginning, because what I really love about your journey is that you tend to have the hero's journey and you get the like, I'm a chiropractor. I made it. I succeeded. I'm doing 14 years of a career I've built. Everything is seems amazing. Right. And then you get the knock, knock, knock. Something needs to change. Now I'm about to go on a different journey. What was that? Mm. What was that? Uh, I like to think that 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 process uh, is rooted in um, in some courage. I think we all need to, you know, try to find courage within to realize that whenever we're getting a nudge and that nudge is saying it's time to change. Well, first of all, you have to have the wisdom to know whether what you're getting is a nudge that it's time to change versus just resistance because, you know, you don't like the negative feelings that you're feeling. So there's that too. So making that distinction first, but then if you're really getting the nudge, um, there are going to be some really challenging emotions that come along with, with reinventing yourself. And you just have to accept that right from the very get-go. You're going to hit a wall. You're going to hit a few walls. You're going to have moments of joy. You're going to have moments of, of defeat. And, um, and we don't want to get out of our comfort zones. We don't want to stop, you know, feeling safe inside of what we're, we're doing. So, so you've got to, I, I had to, I don't want to say what you've got to do. What I had to do was to have enough courage to say, I'm okay with uncertainty. I'm okay with, with, um, uh, the, the like living in a state of curiosity and letting letting the the pieces begin to fall into place as they're meant to do so and you know having the patience uh to sit still sometimes until the next right action comes along do you remember the challenges you went through during that transition period like what was it like emotionally to know you went from comfortable and safe and predictable to uncomfortable unpredictable but your soul calls for it so you've got to do it and what was that journey like much more positive than you might think um you know so i have this very strong i don't know if this is a metaphysical uh belief or what but i really believe that um that the hardest part is just breaking through initially it's just you know it's it's gaining enough critical momentum to get into orbit right so like uh, it takes a lot of pressure a lot of power for an air you know for a, a rocket to just get in orbit once it's in orbit it's a much more effortless process and if you're on the ground getting ready to like take off it feels insurmountable it feels like this is just too much it's going to be too much energy but the good news is that as soon as you're in orbit it's like uh, what's that that uh, wonderful poem uh, by um, uh, the uh, Scott Murray, the Scottish explorer? Until one is committed, there is hesitancy, a chance to draw back. When one finally makes that commitment, all manner of circumstances fall into place, and then you start to get the magic. So um, I was tortured for a long time, living in the resistance. You know, living in the I I I want to be done with this, but I can't be. It doesn't make sense to be. 
It's everything says, you know, you're successful, you're a doctor, everybody knows you, you're making money, you've got an established business. But I would wake up every morning and go to work at eight o'clock. And by nine o'clock, I would have already looked at my watch a dozen times. <laughs> so it's like, that's not a good sign, man. Right? <laughs> like that's got to be telling you something. It's really um, your state of your state of inner, your inner state of being is more important than your title. It's more important than the number the amount of dollars you're collecting. It's more important than than trading your present for your past, right? I spent my entire, you know, uh, several years of college training to be this thing, which means that my past, I invested a lot in the past in this present. Right. And how dare I throw all that away? How dare you? How dare you let go of all the things you've worked so hard for? Well, maybe because there's something better behind it. Right. Maybe, even more. Any, something that's a better match for who you really are. See, I don't look at it as we throw that away. We take those experiences and we bring it into what we want to do now. It never feels like it's thrown away for me. No. So how did, as you, what came first, speaking on stages? How did you get into hypnosis? Most of us are extra intrigued with the hypnosis only because we experienced it this week. So we might need to chat a little bit about that today. Yeah, well, it's a, it's a, it's a topic I love talking about. Um, it was getting out of chiropractic was, was step one and it wasn't replaced by something else. I didn't know what else was coming. I knew that I needed to leap and I needed to accept the idea of leap and the net will appear. So, so I did for a period of time have no definition. There was no you know, it wasn't, you know, Steve Taubman, chiropractor, Steve Taubman, magician, Steve Taubman, this or that. It was just Steve Taubman, huh? And and that was, it was just, you know, a question mark at the end of my name. Um, and, and so I traveled and I had some remarkable experiences and a lot of magic happened. And then um, at the time, even before I sold my practice, I had taken an interest in magic. And, you know, you've, you've probably seen me do I do, I'm a magician and I do a lot of close-up magic coins and cards and things. And it's taken, that's taken me all over the world. I've had a lot of fun being a magician. So it started out, I was doing corporate parties. I was doing restaurants. I was doing all these, you know, sort of small time things. And uh, when I was really hundred percent sure it was time to leave my practice, I, I came up, I came upon a guy who wrote a book. The book was called how to win by quitting which I highly recommend, by the way. Uh, his name is Jerry Stocking. And some of you have heard the name. And so how to win by quitting. And I called him up. I mean, I'm, that's me too. That's, and you, I encourage anybody here, if you've got, you know, you, you find, you hear something interesting, you're fascinated by something that somebody said, call them up, email them, you know, don't, don't be invisible, right? People like being acknowledged. People like giving to other people who want to, you know, who are, who, who cherish what you are and who you, what you do. So I called this guy up. He, he gave me like an hour of his time on the phone. And during that phone call, he said, so you're leaving your practice. He says, what are you going to do when you leave? And I said, well, you know, I'm a magician. I could probably just start doing magic more full time. And he goes, eh. I said, what? He goes, never plan what you're going to do next until you finish what you're doing now. He says, you need the gap. You need the gap. You need the, uh, the moment of uncertainty. That's where the courage lies, right? You need to be able to sit there and not know what's going on, who the heck you're going to be, 
and, and, and feel all that uncertainty and fear and just love it, just be with it, just be okay without being defined. Because if you're going to define yourself instantly, it's like people who jump from one relationship to the other, only to find that the new relationship is just a mirror image of the previous one. I know none of you have ever done that. <laughs> Never. But, but we're so good at it. We're so good at manifesting the same things over and over again because we never take the time to sit quietly, which is where the inner work happens, sit quietly with ourselves. And so what I did was I got on an airplane and I went to Guatemala and I spent three months in Guatemala um, doing nothing. That's where I learned how to do nothing. Wow. And, um, and, and I uh, had magical experiences. I know, um, Louise, I think you read my first book on hypnosis and, you know, the story about meeting this guy, this other guy in Guatemala. I, I don't know what our time frame is, and I don't know if we've got an agenda, but I'll tell the story if you want to hear it. We love it. Go for it. Okay, thanks. So, um, so, and I haven't told this story in a long time. I used to tell it on stage all the time, but it's such a long story. So what happened was I go to Guatemala, having just had this conversation with this guy, um, Jerry Stocking, um, about just create a gap, just do nothing, be, be, just be. So I go to Guatemala and I'm there and I'm walking down the streets of Antigua, Guatemala, which is an old colonial city with cobblestone streets and high concrete walls. And every house is like a high wall, but then you go in and it's got like a garden and the inside is very pretty. I'm walking down this, this alley essentially. And I look down the, down the road and I see a sign that says, um, chiropractic office. I thought, well, that's interesting. I should probably follow that up. So I, I walked into this chiropractic office and I, I introduced myself. I said, hi, I'm Steve. I'm a chiropractor from the United States. The so chiropractor, his name was Todd. I know that's a very Hispanic name. It's, you know, Paco, Carlos, Todd. So he was an American <laughs> expert who had, who had opened up a practice in, um, in Guatemala, in the, in the city. And, um, so I said, I'm a chiropractor from the U.S. He goes, oh, I haven't had an adjustment in six months. Can you give me an adjustment? <laughs> so right away, I'm back to work. Right. So we go in the back room and I give him an adjustment and we come back out into his waiting room. And there's a guy sitting there in his waiting room and the guy stands up and says, um, hi, I'm Steve. I'm a chiropractor from the United States. I just saw your sign and decided to walk in. So I thought I was in a time warp because that's exactly what I said. I said, wait a minute, I'm Steve. I'm a chiropractor from the United States. He says, where do you, he, so he goes, uh, how long, he says, what are you doing here? I said, um, well, I just came to Guatemala to like, you know, have some space to like have a sort of a vision quest and work on the language, you know? He said, me too. So, so he, he says, you want to go grab some lunch? I said, sure. So we go outside and it's a sunny day. And we both reach into our backpack. We both pull out a hat. We pull out the exact same hat, <laughs> except that mine's it's the same color brim, the same everything, you know. And and his mine says 100 years of chiropractic. It was a it was a celebration hat from the centennial of chiropractic. His says Vermont, which is where I live. Oh so I said, I'm from Vermont. He says, oh, I've got a really good friend there, uh, Sarah Moran. I said, I know Sarah. She used to be a patient of mine. Then we go out to lunch. But before we go to lunch, we stop at his hotel. It wasn't a hotel. He was staying with a, like a family stay like I was doing uh, to immerse yourself in the language. And we go into his place and sitting on his dresser is a book, How to Win by Quitting. <laughs> and I said, 
I have that book. And that's, you know, I had to talk. I talked to Jerry before I came here. He said, me too. Wow. So we ended up traveling together. We ended up discovering all these bizarre synchronicities along the way. And what ended up happening, and we didn't know this because I was in Guatemala for three months and I knew him for a good portion of that. In none of that time, with all the coincidences, did I know what I'm about to tell you, which was I went back to Vermont afterwards. And I was, uh, at the time I was a private pilot. I had a little airplane and I was gonna fly across country and visit people I knew. So, uh, so I'm talking to the guy who bought my chiropractic practice, um, John, John Basaccia. And he says, oh, you're flying around the country. That sounds really cool. Where, where are you going? And I said, oh, well, my first stop is Montana. He goes, I used to live in Montana. I said, really? I'm going to Bozeman. He goes, that's where I lived. I lived in Bozeman, Montana. I said, oh, I'm going to see a good friend of mine named uh, Steve. Um, he's, uh, you know, he's a, a retired chiropractor. He goes, Steve Forte? I said, yeah. He says, he was my chiropractor. And my best friend bought his practice. I'm getting chills telling you the story, right? And this happened. And, and, you know, since then, of course, that was many years ago. We've had other synchronicities that have popped up. But I've also had other experiences in my life where I knew I was in the right place at the right time. I knew that I had let go of the expectations of being a certain person with a certain role. And all of a sudden, I just found myself smack dab in the middle of magic. Doesn't that make it so perfect right now from how we started this conversation with the experience of letting it go and trusting and knowing that within there's enough evidence to put together that there's an actual way it goes if we allow it to without any expectations, without any of what we think should happen, allowing, knowing we're going to be guided because there's enough proof that it it's a hundred percent there. And, and the counter argument, the thing that people are, you know, the thing that keeps people from doing it, despite the fact that yes, we, you know, we kind of universal explorers have come to realize this, but there's like the, you know, we also come from, you know, hundreds of years of pure puritanical work ethic, right. Puritan work ethic where you got to keep going and keep trying and keep at it and stick to it. And, and there's some value in that. It's just not the whole truth, right? And then the people who are saying that's the way you've got to do it no matter what and just stick with it no matter what. And, you know, those people are looking at people who are who are bailing on their responsibilities and putting them in the same category as people who are doing what we're doing, which is not the same. Like, I didn't bail on any responsibilities, right? I didn't, like, leave anybody in the lurch. I, like, I, I responsibly cre- recreated my life. Absolutely. And I actually, you know, when we're in alignment, it's just an easier flow. It doesn't mean we're doing less work. It's just not hard work. It, it, to me, my life feels like I live on vacation. I, mm-hmm. I have two jobs, two children, single mom. I do a million and a half things, but it's effortless. Yeah. And, and even when I'm at work, people are like, I don't even, you don't even look like you're working. <laughs> because it doesn't feel like work to me. Yeah, that's lovely. That is lovely. So when you're in the the bliss, it, and I've seen be, because your natural space is so generous. As I said when, before, everybody a few people hopped on later. One of my first experiences with you before you even knew me 
was supporting me in how to do something that helped me without you even realizing it was he. So Steve Taubman was my very first interview a few years ago, was, uh, hosting a summit. And he was my first interview and he actually, he helped me figure out how to do the Zoom link. And I had no idea about how it looks in on the camera. So, you know, when your natural space is generous and giving and kind and, and supportive, you're only going to attract people who see your beauty and, and the way you show up in the world and I think that's the part we forget because we get so worried about what are people thinking about what I'm choosing right now versus really people are just loving you because you're an extraordinary human being and that's what they're seeing. And if they're not, too bad for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, thank you for everything you just said. That's really sweet. Um, I I think all of us, and you know, I, I'm coming through this myself. It's like, we don't always know we don't know what we're what we're contributing to others because we're too busy dealing with our own shit, right? And if you're in your stuff, then it's very hard to really assimilate the idea that you're making an impact on others, right? But you go back and look, it's like, okay, there's the, the way in which we contribute to others is not always the way that we're setting out to contribute the things that other people value about their experience of us isn't necessarily the thing that we are trying to project or the thing that we even value about ourselves. Uh, how many of you know, um, uh, Garrison Keeler, Prairie Home Companion. You, 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 some of you might've, you might be, uh, before some of your time, but Garrison Keeler did a radio show for many years and it was the old fashioned kind of radio show. Uh, yeah, Joseph, you remember him, right? Yeah, uh, a great storyteller. He had uh, tales from Lake Wobegon and they would do little skits. Then he'd tell a story. Then there'd be like old timey music. It was just like the kind of radio shows from like the 40s. But he did it all the way through until like a few years ago. And he also did some live presentations. And he talked like this, Harrison Keeler, very soft, very soothing voice. And he was telling the story. His stories were all called Lake uh, Tales from Lake Wobegon which was a, a, a mythical place up in like Northern, what, uh, Wisconsin or Minnesota or something like that. And um, so he's telling the story about this woman who um, bakes um, the best apple pies ever. And everybody loves her apple pies. And they say, but, but uh, Nora, her name is Nora, says, but Nora doesn't like apple pie. He says, Nora likes, he says, Nora likes pumpkin pie. Pumpkin pie, the bastion of mediocrity. The best pumpkin pie you've ever had isn't that much better than the worst pumpkin pie you ever had. <laughs> Which I think is a funny line. So, so he's, uh, he's going on to say, like, she creates something that everybody relishes and she doesn't even like it. And then she, he talks about some... Um, uh, a priest, a pastor who gives these wonderful Christmas sermons, but the pastor hates Christmas but everybody benefits from her Christmas sermons, right? And so all of us are like, just we're throwing off wisdom and insight and, and, and uh, relief and, and uh, humor and all sorts of things to other people that we never get to experience ourselves. Like Groucho Marx said, the only person he couldn't make laugh was himself, right? So just accept it. Just like, you know, take it on faith, guys, that you're like way more impactful than you have any idea that you are 
like, you know, the line from Jackson Brown's song says, uh, and somewhere between the time we arrive, and the time we go may like may lie a reason you were alive that you'll never know. That's beautiful. Right? I get chills just thinking of that. It's like you're, you have already every one of you, I'm certain, has already made such an impact on many people and one person. It doesn't matter. But it's like there's so many ways in which you're showing up matters that you just have to carry that through the dark times. Absolutely. And yeah. how many times do we see people where something happens and they, they think they're going to die and they don't die. And they, they have this experience of like, everything looks like they're, it would have happened and they don't. And they now are like, well, I guess there's a reason I'm alive. Do we really need that in order to go, well, there's a reason I'm alive. I remember asking someone, um, I said, how do you know something's meant to happen? And he goes, well, let me tell you, and I'm waiting for the biggest wisdom of the planet for him to like, he was so wise. And I was like waiting for it. And he goes, because it happened. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and so we're here because we're meant to be today is the gift that we have. And what if we only had today that we got to connect with people and, and um, we were at secret, knock, secret knock this couple of days ago. And somebody was saying, you know, what was really magical is that all the really extraordinary people were sitting with us in the audience and they were, then they had their moment on stage and then they came back and sat with us in the audience. What I realized is those people are next to us in our life. There are those people are getting their hair done oh. in the salon. We're getting our hair done in. We're getting, we're sitting at restaurants with them. Like yeah. they're not on stages in their life all day. They're sitting next to us, That's but great. we're so busy I don't know, looking at them on stage, we forget the guy at the salon could be that guy. That's, it's so amazing when you start like, well, first of all, let me put one umbrella over all of this, okay? Because this is my favorite line. I wrote it, now everybody else says it. Don't believe everything you think. <laughs> don't believe everything you think. It's so easy for us to, you know, believe all our self-doubt and our self-criticism and that we don't matter and that we're not enough and that like all that stuff. It's just it we swim in it and and then we believe it instead of just, you know, just accepting, okay, well, there's that voice, and you know, but I know it's not true. Why is it not true? Because of what you just said, because um, because all around us is you know, is genius, all around us is generosity. And I I love nothing more than being proven wrong, like you know, like. Um, like being small-minded, like seeing somebody and like misjudging them and not thinking that they've got a lot to offer and then having them offer something. And I'm like, okay, I'm an idiot. They're brilliant. And I'm like happy because it's like a reminder we all need. A, a very close friend of mine, some of you might know Jason Freeman. Jason is a speaker. And um, if you get a chance, go to his website, jasonwfreeman.com. Um, and Jason is a, a dear friend of mine who I met out in California when he was living in San Diego and I was speaking at some conferences there. In fact, I was there for Secret Knock. Wow. So it was like four years ago, Secret Knock. And Jason um, and I had lunch. We were we, with um, uh, Manny. Um, what's Manny's last name? He spoke at Secret Knock. He probably spoke this year too. Manny Lopez or really know. sweet guy. He does a thing about curiosity, the curiosity theory. Uh -huh. this year but uh but i met jason and it was it was partly because of eric eric swanson who kind of put us together that money lopez jason. jason walks in he has a cerebral palsy so he has a speech impediment he's got very slurred speech and you know he talks slow and 
most people, their initial instinct is like, maybe he's, you know, kind of mentally slow. Maybe he's like, it's like, it took me about a minute to realize this guy was like razor sharp, brilliant and funny as hell. Right. And so I travel with him. I've, we've, we've spoken on stages together. We've traveled as just for fun and we'll go into a restaurant. And it's so interesting to watch like wait staff, like at first treating him like he's like defective or something, but he doesn't care. Right. He knows who he is. He doesn't need other people to approve of him, but he shows up as who he is. And all of a sudden people are like, Oh, right. Oh, so those people are all around you and you're um, one of them. Thank you. I, you know, it took a and little you're all one of them, right? We're all, we're all one of them. We're all, we all have like this specialness that, yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing. It's like, I'm around all of you all the time and I see the genius and, and beauty in everyone. And that's where the, the, even the line of like, we bring out the beauty in each other, because that's really what we're, every time there's a conversation, it's like, oh my God, you're so amazing. That's what comes up. Um, I actually want to fast forward a bit to like, now you've got this amazing career. You're literally living what people dream of creating. And there goes hero's journey, knock, knock, knock again. And real estate comes into play. How did that happen? Uh, COVID did that, right? So I got, um, you know, I was on the road. I was actually working uh, with Eric. Uh, I, I don't have, you know, Eric Swanson, Habitude Warrior Conference and Masterminds and everything. So Eric um, runs this, had been running a wonderful, um, like a secret knock kind of a thing, a conference with several speakers. I was one of the speakers. Um, and I was, at the time, years ago, I was just on the road so much but it was always like, go get on an airplane, go somewhere, come home and get on an airplane, come, come home. And I, I was talking to him over lunch one day uh, in, in San Diego. And I said, I just need to not be on a different on a di an airplane every few days or every week or whatever. He said, I'm looking for somebody who could go into a city and run workshops and then sell tickets to the conference. That's the model, right? That's how Tony Robbins used to do it. It's like, you go into a city, um, I'm booked solid to go into like a, a real estate office or an insurance office or something. And I give a one hour success workshop. And then at the end, I say, so we are putting on a conference. We've got amazing speakers with Brian Tracy and Sharon Lecter and um, uh, Laura Langmeyer and, uh, you know, all these amazing speakers. Uh, at the time, Frank Shankwitz, before he passed away, you know, founder of Make-A-Wish Foundation, Ron Klein. Did Ron speak this year? No. Oh. Ron is the, the grandfather of possibility. He invented uh, credit cards and he invented uh, the MLS service and he invented the machines that they use on Wall Street for uh, bond trading. Really super nice guy. Um, so, um, so I would, I would, sell tickets to this conference and that, and I would go and I'd be in a city for like three or four months. Wow. And then I'd go to another city and be in that city for three or four months. So I got to really settle in to different places. And, um, and now I forgot the point of that. What was I saying? How you got, to, <laughs> how you got over travel real estate. Right. Real estate. So I'd been doing that all over the country and I was in Raleigh, North Carolina on my second month in Raleigh and um, I was having lunch with, do you guys know, um, um, oh my gosh, 
I'm spacing on his name, and he's a good friend too. Um, Happens the, to the best of us. Creator of Priceline. Oh, uh, Jeff Hoffman. Jeff, yeah. So I was having lunch with Jeff. Sorry, Jeff, if you're watching this. Uh, <laughs> I was having lunch with Jeff, and and Eric calls, and he says, "Well, you're gonna have to pack up and leave." I said, "What are you taking me?" It's like the middle of my. I've got two more months here. He says, "There's this thing called COVID." That's coming down the pike. This was, you know, like three years ago, almost today. Three years ago today was that day I got back to Burlington, Vermont. Wow. Because I, you know, I said to goodbye to Jeff and uh, and I got in the car with, you know, I went home and packed up and everything. And then, like within a few days, I was on the road back to Vermont. And um, the whole thing disappeared, right? My whole career disappeared. I wasn't, you couldn't be a speaker. You know, there were people doing like this kind of thing, but it wasn't paying anything at the time. And uh, it just was a different world. It was a very different world that we'd suddenly walked into. And, uh, you know, I was fortunate to be able to not have to jump right into, a, into something right away. So I came home and I just laid low and I wrote another book and I, uh, and I created another program. And uh, the program I created was a very cool program that sold like nothing. Nobody bought it. It was this whole thing about, about using your mind to overcome chronic pain. And it was all based on mindfulness and hypnosis and some other skills, neuro-linguistic skills to be able to overcome pain. And it was brilliant. It was a great program. I co-created it with somebody else. Nobody bought it. So I don't know why, but we couldn't sell the thing. Uh, so I put like I invested a lot of money in something that, that went nowhere. And, uh, and then just as I put that to bed, Woody died. Woody was my beloved dog, uh, who I traveled with. I think some of you know, remember Woody. And Woody was um, was my life, you know. And it just completely pulled the rug out from under me. I was I was a mess, and was for several months. Um, and then eventually, I got got Ernie. So I have Ernie. But um, I went a year without doing any work, and then I started trying to figure out what my next move was. And a friend of mine said, "You'd be a great realtor." I said, well, I just spent a year and a half talking to realtors. Um, I kind of get realtors. I get real estate. I think this could be, this might be worth doing. So I did the same way I do everything, which is I do it fast. When I see something I want to do, I just jump right in. So I got my real estate license. I like, I accelerated it. I'd stay home, you know, all day and watch videos and study. And by, you know, by the end of like, I don't know how long it was, it wasn't more than a few weeks. I was like, I had done all the course studies and then I got my license like a month, you know, within a month and I found an agency to work with me and they put me through their training. And then I started January of last year of 2022. And I did it with like a lot of, um, you know, I tried to do it with as much of the same level of expertise and like, like quality materials. I put out, I wrote a couple books about it. I did some brochures. I, did postcards, I made videos, I did tutorials. I mean, I was I did everything I could to try to like work against the fact that I was brand new and there were people who had been doing it in my community for a long time. And those were the like the few that everybody went to. So um it was it was an uphill slog. And it all happened right when the market was it, it was like an unbelievable market. We have like right now, it's still pretty bad. We have 80 houses for sale in all of Northern Vermont. Like the whole Northwestern corner of Vermont, which is Burlington and all the surrounding communities, um, 80 houses for sale 
there are over 800 realtors trying to sell them. So I worked really hard to try to overcome that. And, you know, I, I, I always go back to, you know, don't get attached to outcomes, just do the output. But it started getting to me, it started getting to me that I wasn't getting anywhere. And um, I kept on kind of like pulling something up out of me until I had nothing left to pull up out of me. And I was just getting depressed and despondent and doubting myself and feeling, you know, like just a sense of futility. And that's not a feeling I want to live inside of. Right. So, um, so I said, I got to do something. So I, um, I, I went to, I went to San Antonio, Texas, and I stayed there for six weeks. I just, you know, rented a place, stayed there for six weeks and, um, and tried not to decide what was next. You know, I figured I'll come back to, I might still do some real estate. I might not, but, but I needed to like get away from what I was doing. So that would be another, like, you know, takeaway I think from this is don't be afraid to walk away from something if it's making you miserable. Right. Do you feel like you chose that from a place of I've got to earn a living versus I am passionate about real estate? Well, it wasn't, I've got to earn a living. I was more like, I've got to do something, you know? I mean, it's just, you got to do something. Like I didn't want to do nothing. Um, right. And so I needed a challenge. I don't, but, but the other thing about passionate about real estate, absolutely not. <laughs> I'm not in the least bit passionate about real estate. And I've come to realize that I was passionate about creation. I was passionate about, you know, about um, being a good service provider, like giving people a great experience. If I was the one showing them a home, all that stuff, I was very passionate about. I wasn't passionate about lead generation or any of that other stuff and real estate in and of itself. It's, it doesn't, it doesn't do it for me. It's just, it's a thing. I think some of us have this like wild part to us that when we're not passionate about it and it's not really like what we wake up and jump out of bed for, it's really difficult to put the pieces together and inspire other people to, um, to like buy from us because there, there has to be an alignment to, first of all, for me, I know that when I became a hairdresser, the first couple of years, no, even though I thought I was great, no one came to me. I really like nobody really came to me because I wasn't really a hairdresser yet, even yeah. though I got my license and I loved it. That didn't qualify me to get the amazing amount of people in my chair. Even as a coach, it's taken me a few years mm-hmm. before someone's like, are you sure you're not just playing in this field a little bit and then you're just going to get bored and move on to the next thing? So it's taken quite a few years of people going, I just want to see you stick with it a little bit before I, I jump in with you. So, so your passion is what carries you through that part of it. Right. right? Because you're not going to, uh, you're right. It's that things have their own timeline. And if, you, if you're going to burn out before they, you know, it's like, like planting seeds and then leaving and planting another seeds in a different farm with, without harvesting this farm. But if, but if you hate farming, then it's going to be a slow slog because you're going to go through a few years of just being miserable. But you exactly. loved what you were doing, right? Exactly. So like, you and I both know, it's like, you're not paying me to talk to your group here today. Exactly. And, uh, and I, I've made a lot of money speaking, you know, so I don't, I don't, you know, I don't have a problem with that, but I've also walked into places and spoken for completely free. Right. And don't tell the people who are willing to pay me a lot of money to speak that I'm just as happy speaking for free. 
That's because I love to speak. I love what we're doing right now. I love the, you know, the kind of the brainstorming and the, you know, sharing insight and humor and just telling stories. And this is what I live for. Right. So, yeah, if I go through some lean times with this, that's OK. Exactly. And it almost makes you like when you come back to it and realize, oh, my God, this actually lights me up when I get out of bed. I'm happy to do this. And then you do ride through the like parts and, and you're, it, I know when I talk to you, it like you physically light me up to, to just feel joy. And so I know I could see it and everyone else in here, they're getting an experience. And so I'm actually going to take a moment to shush me. So everyone else gets an opportunity to connect with you. We're so on the same page because I was just thinking like, it's a nice conversation with you, but I'd love to bring other people into the conversation. Yes, yes, so, yes. So yeah, I, if anybody wants to kick in, I'd love to hear what. Who wants to jump in first? Lisa, go for it, babe. Lisa. Well, good afternoon. Uh, thank you so much for this opportunity, Louisa. This is a great platform. And hello, how are you, Steve? Wonderful, thank you. <laughs> Um, actually, it, it is so good to have you here because I've been following you. I've been messaging you since when your dog died and your entire journey and everything. So, I mean, touching the heart of everyone. And um, I saw that you were interviewing Jim Lutis and he's going to be on my show next week. So as a as a hypnotherapist to one, I can call you a colleague. Uh, I have one question. What is it that we do um, and how can we spread that more so more medical doctors or even health practitioners like chiropractors or somebody else gets to utilize the services of hypnosis in a clinical method, the way I hypnotize myself and I do uh, like absolutely with no anesthesia, I do root canals for seven of them. How can we do this so we can impact and help more people uh, in the community and bigger? Well, in my experience, first of all, you are always working against the, you know, the fear factor. People are afraid of hypno hypnosis. They're afraid of hypnotists. They think they're going to lose control and, you know, they're going to be like outside yelling at a mailbox or something. They're just like, they don't, they don't understand the real, you know, kind of the nuts and bolts of it. So we have to educate people about that, right. To overcome fear. Um, and like some clinical hypnotists have a negative view of the stage hypnosis, the fun stuff. But to me, stage hypnosis does a great service to, to clinical because if you are, as long as you're a decent human being and you're able to convey the value of what's going on and be able to help people make the leap. I'm not doing this to make fools of anybody. I'm showing you how our minds work and how we form thoughts and how we form beliefs. And, you know, and if you're stuck behind certain beliefs, this is, mm. this is something that's available to you. So I always feel like, you know, getting people's attention and then being able to find people that you can share and educate with. And, you know, I would go maybe speak to a local chiropractic uh, organization or, um, you know, find a, a, like a, like we, every state has a chiropractic association, right? So for me, because I've got the luxury of being able to make people laugh with this stuff too. So I could do a show, but then explain the back, you know, the backstory. It's like, first you got to get your foot in the door. There's nothing worse than trying to explain something to somebody who doesn't want to hear what you have to say. Exactly. So, so that's the, that's the first challenge is, is just uh, creating curiosity. 
Good answer. Thank you so much for this because, uh, yeah, what we do is different than stage hypnosis because a lot of people think that we're going to help them quack or bark like a dog <laughs> or dance and say, who's your daddy? But and, and I'm saying this because some of us know what we're talking about. We had a stage yeah. hypnotist uh, at, at a Secret Knock. So yeah. thank you so much. Very, very welcome. Thanks for the question. Good to see you, Lise. Miss Fatima. Thank you, Louisa. As always, such a pleasure to be here. You have such amazing speakers. And um, Steve, oh my gosh, everything you said really resonates. My question to you is, do you think hypnotherapy finds people? Or, and the reason why I'm asking that is because I actually connected with Louisa a few days ago. Yeah. And I was telling her prior to that, I have been these last, this, this last month, everything in my life has been like pointing me in the direction of hypnotherapy, something mm. of clearing, something of like getting further, deeper into clearing stuff that has been holding me back. Mm -hmm. It's interesting how the, this like little crumbs, breadcrumbs that you keep following. And it just keeps leaning you into hypnotherapy. And you just said so many things right now. So like I said, does hypnotherapy like find you? Like, it, is that something that you feel like when it's a calling, when it's, when it's for you, it somehow comes to, how did it happen for you? Like how did hypnotherapy become part of your life? And, you know, like, is there some kind of connection there? That's a great question. I, and I love the concept of it finding you I, because it, because yeah. in many ways that is the way that life, you know, the way we fall into the, the um, our true passion, our true purpose. Yeah. You're, you're sort of drawn to it. Uh, and that's also like, you know, if you've done any like, spiritual work if you've ever done any like uh like had a, had a guru or something it's the same thing it's like it just finds you it's just like somehow you know it the same thing keeps presenting itself it's yeah. like like the universe does that thing that facebook does you know or they uh <laughs> they retarget you you yeah. retarget until they finally you relent and you just say okay i guess i gotta do this um and so yeah um the the people who are true seekers um I think begin to realize that their ego, the structure of their personality is only a part of who they are and mm -hmm. that there must be more to it. And they're tired of trying to fix themselves from the inside. Like you can't pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. Right. right? You got to get outside of yourself yeah. in order to see yourself in order to be able to transform yourself. You don't, we, um, until you're doing the mindfulness, until you're doing the hypnosis, yeah. you don't even know you, you're just, you're like, you're trying to convince yourself of something, but the person who you're trying to convince is the same person who already believes something that it already believes. It's like, oh how does God. the, how does the police chief catch yeah. the criminal when the police chief is the criminal? Oh my gosh. You nailed it. You really did because you're right. I, I actually have other modalities that I work with. Like I'm a certified crystal healer and I also, I'm also a Reiki master, but I feel like I plateaued. And something kept drawing me like, okay, so something deeper, go deeper, go deeper. And it's just been recently. And, and when she told me you were going to be on, I'm like, wait, what? It was <laughs> interesting how it all came together. I'm here for you, by the way, just so you know. <laughs> well, I, I receive it with an open heart. Thank you. And it, well, cause everything you said really resonates. So I'm, I was super excited to be here and, and you just, again, you nailed it. So thank you so much. Um, thank you for sharing. It just, 
everything was amazing. So, and you just validated basically how I feel like I'm on the right path. So thank you for that. And, and again, just echoing back what I was saying before, about we, we don't always know the impact we're making. Like you're, you just made me realize that for me, but it's also, I want to shine the light back at you because you just touched me by, by your share. So thanks. Thank you so much. <laughs> I love this girl. Yeah. I, you know, I always feel like she's always in perfect alignment to what's happening. And then when we were talking and she says hypnosis and I was like, you need to be on it. It's perfect timing. <laughs> and it was Mr. Kevin Owens. Uh, so two questions. I got a second one now because I'm going to build off of what Fatima was just talking about. Um, so following up with what Fatima was, uh, can you tell us a little bit about your experiences with hypnosis and how you've used it to help people? Yeah, for sure. Do you want to give me the second question also so I know how to how to allocate my time to answer? Oh, so so the other one was um a little bit about your your books that you've written like on hypnosis and bulletproof. Yeah. Uh I, I kind of want to understand what inspired you to to start writing and how has that writing impacted your life? Great questions. Okay, let's go with the first one first. Then, um, in regard to what, um, how have I, how have I helped people using hypnosis? Well, first of all, what's been interesting to me is that even though um, you know I've I've spent more time on stages doing hypnosis as a form of entertainment, it's not all I've done. I've done a significant amount of therapeutic hypnosis, and I've done a lot of hypno coaching working with people who are trying to break through, like, you know, Fatima talking about, I'm in my way, I've got this thing, I could see myself that, you know, I could see there's a, a deepening that I have to find. It's like that, it's helping people through that journey. And that's, that's one of my passions. I love that. So I've, so I've always enjoyed working with people who are um, playing a bigger game, but are hitting walls while playing the bigger game. And, uh, and one of the manifestations of that, and one of the easiest ones uh, to see um immediate, uh, like for me to get gratified by having immediate changes is phobias, right? Because phobias are just like a codified little piece of fear. Like we're all walking around with a lot of fear, but a phobia is just like this little piece of fear that's affecting some specific aspect of your life. And so I started doing this thing several years ago where um, I would make the promise during a hypnosis show that at the end of the show, I was going to do a phobia cure. So if somebody had a particular fear of snakes, spiders, whatever, I would do something and help them get rid of the fear. And then I realized that's really entertaining too. It's really remarkable to watch. So I put it in the show. So now the last quote unquote routine or set that I do is I have everybody on stage, imagine something they're afraid of. Um, and, uh, and then I take them through a process uh, to to alleviate the fear, and it's uh, highly highly successful. Like you know, as, as Lisa knows, it's like probably ninety five percent of the time you're going to eliminate a fear and it's going to stay gone. So, and that's such a contribution because people are so um, so minimized by their lack of you know by the fear they face. You know, there are pieces of their life that just aren't unfolding because of their fear. So to be able to show somebody that something that feels so big can be can disappear that quickly uh, is is very powerful, and so you know because 
I'm not a patient person. I'm not a, you know, I don't like, I'm not, even when I coach, I don't like, like having like clients for a year. I just like, I want to like, let's get this piece of the thing over with. And, you know, then you could have a maintenance person. I'm not a maintenance person. I'm a like, so if I could do that on stage, if I could show you that, wow, something dramatic just happened and it's life-changing. It's, it's, it's incredible. And I've, I've had so many stories like that where, um, where somebody's life was changed by it. I had, this was kind of a funny one. This, this woman was, um, uh, she was the student activities director for uh, New England College. I had worked with her, uh, you know, I talked to her on the phone many times, but I never met her in person until I went to do the show. She was in the front row. I didn't know that she was the student activities director sitting there. There was just a woman sitting there who, as you all know, in a hypnosis show, it's not unusual for somebody in the audience to get hypnotized. It happens. Uh, so at least in my shows, I've had it happen many times. I, it happened at Habitude Warrior once with uh, Holly um, Bauer, um, Holly Crystal Bauer, uh, which was very, very funny. Um, so this woman in the audience fell into, into a trance and I brought her up on stage and I finished the show with her in the show. And she was great. Afterwards, I found out who she was and her husband was there. He came up and said, so she's deathly afraid of heights and it's really affected her life in a lot of ways because we like to do this and that, but she can't do it. Um, so so uh, Sherry was her name. Sherry's right there. I said, so you're afraid of heights? She goes, yeah. I said, do you want, do you want to not be afraid of heights? She said, that'd be great. Some people say no. Somebody said, you say to somebody, are you afraid of snakes? They say, yes. You say, you want to not be afraid of snakes? They say, no. Like as if they need the fear to stay away from snakes. I'm like, no, I have to explain it to you. you I'm not saying you need to now have a snake. You can actually use your judgment to avoid snakes. You don't have to be deathly afraid of them. They don't have to, you don't have to like be afraid when you see a picture of a snake. So, which a lot of people are. So I, um, so I said, okay, sleep put her back under very quickly because she'd already been under. So it's easy to put her back. And um, I went through this process with her and then it just so happened. We we're backstage at a, a full on theater. This was a, like a nice theater. So they had like the catwalk, you know, they've got like this metal staircase that goes all the way up into the catwalk. So first I said, climb the stairs. And she like looked at me like I was crazy. I said, just try. And she got like one step up and turned white and her knuckles turned white. And she came back down so then I did this process with her, which took what, all of like a minute? Climb up the stairs, all the way to the top. Gets up to the top, standing up there, looking down, saying, wow, you could see so much from up here. This is so cool. And it changed her life. It was like, you know, now there's something that before was a limitation. Now it's like an opportunity. So that's what I love about it. That's So that's my answer to that part of your question. Hope is that, does that... Answer the question. Cool. Um, the other question about the writing part. Writing is really interesting. Like writing is a form of um, it's meditative for me. I uh, I discovered um, I, when I say discovered, it sounds like I came up with it. Somebody else told me that it's a good idea when you're writing. Like if any of you have an idea for a book and you keep on like thinking you're going to write and then you stop. Um, here's here's the here's the million dollar piece of advice that a friend gave me. Thankfully, before I put my pen to paper. She said, never read what you're writing until you're done writing it. 
You know how hard that is? You know how much you want to go back and read that last paragraph, that last chapter, that last sentence and recraft it and play with it? The problem is that we have four of two minds, right? We've got the creative mind and we've got the editor, right? And if the editor has to keep jumping in to edit what the creative mind did, the creative mind says, fine, you do it, you know? And then you're suddenly without creativity. But if you just keep writing, I wrote Unhypnosis, which was a number one bestseller on Amazon, right? I wrote that book in one week. Now, it took me longer to edit it, but there, I had gotten from the beginning of that book to the end of that book because I never got up. I was just like, I just let it, I just downloaded it from my psyche. And you never know. It's like, I mean, I've been talking to you guys for an hour now. I had no idea, like before this started, I was like, I hope I could think of something to say. But it just, that's the way it is, right? You get in the flow and you just ride the wave. And that's how writing was for me. So I wrote in hypnosis and it, it was, you know, it was successful and it got me on stages and it was a really interesting journey and it helped me meet a lot of cool new people. And, and then everything else from there was the same bullet. Well, Buddha in the trenches. Um, well, I wrote, I wrote on hypnosis. Then I wrote on hypnosis for sales professionals, which was, um, using these principles, these mindfulness principles to be able to be effective to sell from within inner selling. And then I wrote, um, and then I did an audio program for, uh, network marketers and entrepreneurs. And it was basically like a hypnosis audio, like an hour long hypnosis audio for empowering people to break through stuff. And, um, and then I, I did, um, I did a program called procrastination annihilation. Uh, which was, uh, which is, is like a, you know, it used to be cassette tapes and then it became CDs uh, and then it just became streaming. And I don't even know if I even sell it anymore, but it was a cool program. And, um, and so there was that. And then about a few years ago, I wrote Buddha in the trenches, which to me is still the best name for any book ever, but, uh, but it's not, you know, it's not like corporate friendly because if you use any kind of a, you know, Buddha, well, that sounds like God. It sounds like deity. It doesn't belong in business. So, so I had to rewrite Buddha in the trenches um, and rename it. So I wrote Bulletproof. And Bulletproof is a much more corporate name, but they're the same book. It's basically um, the concept of the book is what if everything that bugged you, blocked you, or brought you down didn't? What would your life look like if all that stuff didn't stop you, right? If you like, you know, you're not being way later misdirected by by the emotional content of your life what would it look like and how would you and if that were possible how would you do it so you know i'm a big believer you know because of my mindfulness training i'm a big believer in metabolizing your emotions it's like you know when you eat you know eventually your body breaks it down and then you know and then it turns into nourishment right if you're feeling a really uncomfortable feeling and you run from it like most of us do you never metabolize it. You never sit with it. You never, you know, you never let it become something, right? That's why I like the whole concept of fear into power. If you could sit quietly in fear, fear becomes power, right? It's that, you know, moving towards something instead of running away from it. I, I The analogy I used was um, years ago. And by the way, I don't know what your time frame is. We probably want to wrap up pretty soon, but I, I may be wrong. What, what? How much time did you allot to this? You are the one who gets to call that shot because I oh, okay. found your puppy dog needing a walk. Yeah, well, he's sound asleep right over here. So uh, well, we're loving so it. Everyone else loving we, it? We go a little longer. So years ago, I went to uh, Epcot Center in Disney World. 
And um, and at night they have this light show um, where you know it's lasers and things, and then it becomes like a um, like movie kind of stuff. And they project it onto a spray of water. They've got like a fountain that's like a super powerful fountain that throws up a wall of 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 water. That's what it is, right? It's particles of water. And they're projecting. I'm watching this thing. They're projecting the Sorcerer's Apprentice with really loud music and kids are crying and it's like scary as could be, you know, big, you know, dancing brooms and monsters and stuff. And it's, it's intense. And I thought this is a perfect analogy because everybody's got this big, scary phantom in front of them that feels very real. But if you were to walk towards it, like if you if this kid who is afraid of this big thing were to walk towards it, it would just be particles of water and light. Right. It's there's there's nothing there. Right. And 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 you might feel fear for a few minutes and then you come out the other side and it's completely gone. So it's like that's the walking towards it. That's the ability to move into it and metabolize it. Right. You to turn this wall into a bunch of little droplets to turn this feeling of, oh my God, I'm so afraid, or I'm so hungry right now, or, I'm, or I've got to get a new boyfriend, or I've got to get a new girlfriend, all the neediness, all the hunger that we have, we only, it only ruins our lives because we can't handle hunger. If you could just sit there and feel hunger, you would discover that hunger is a, a, is a metabolizable experience. And it's not going to stick with you forever. It's like, again, this is the, this is the Buddhist part of me is talking. It's like, that's impermanence, right? It's all impermanent. None of it is what it looks like it is. Smoke and mirrors, baby. It's really talking ourselves off the ledge and, and just having the, the ability to have the self-talk. Mm. You know, like, and, and knowing we don't always have to reach out to someone else to do it. And, and because we can't have simultaneous thoughts. And I used to, and for me, what I found was saying the serenity prayer over and over again, and because my mind couldn't think two things at the same time. Mm-hmm. So I would just find a mantra that, and for me, it was the serenity prayer. I would just repeat it because it worked. I was like, if I can't control the situation right now, then the only thing I could really do is to let it go. And I would say it until my brain believed it Mm. because I didn't believe it at the time. I would literally get something in my head and then I would traumatize myself with it. Yeah. We, we beat ourselves up with it. It's like the reality is that your, your emotional experience is like a fire, like a bonfire and your thoughts are like logs. And what do we usually do? We sit there, we keep throwing more logs on it, hoping it's going to go out. It's ludicrous. It's ludicrous, right? It's like you want to turn, let the fire go out. Stop throwing logs on it. Stop <laughs> adding thoughts to your emotions. Just sit there quietly, say the serenity prayer. Just, just let it, let it go. Where there's, there's more power in silence than there is in thinking it out. Right. Or even for knowing that when you go through enough of the traumas, the things that I thought I was so petrified over actually have happened. And I was like, and I survived it and Mm. I'm thriving because of them. And I'm now going, wow, I'm actually kind of cool because I was terrified of this thing and I've been through it now. 
Yeah, that's great. That's great. That's a, you know, that's the running towards it. That's the being willing to experience the thing that you're afraid of. And, and that's where you get these magical things we talked about at the beginning, these like strange life experiences and all the synchronicities and all the random meetings that happen, all that stuff happens when you've had the courage to take the step forward. Absolutely. I even feel your energy right now. Like I love when I see people in the flow. Are you guys experiencing Steve's energy? It's like up here and it feels really good. Thank you. Uh, Well, thank you. Thanks for giving me a place to do this because this is, you know, my inherent forgetfulness and we all are right. I forget that I have anything to say. I forget that people want to hear anything I have to say if I haven't been saying it and people haven't been hearing it. So, you know, so this is like, this is an organic part of my life. I have to absolutely be doing this often enough to remind myself that it's, it's, you know, it's who I am. Right. And I, I love the sentence. I say, thank you, God, for doing for me what I couldn't do for myself. And sometimes when things don't work out, it's because they're not meant to. And, and the world Mm. kind of takes them out because then I don't want to spend like, imagine, and I'm just kind of saying this because it really, real estate could still very much be very lucrative and amazing for you. I'm just saying, what if you were spending all this time into it and really wasn't in alignment with who you are and you, you're, you were doing it when it wasn't supposed to be, but like it gets removed because you're so in the flow because it's not what's meant. And I'm Mm -hmm. just making this up. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying sometimes when we're so connected and so powerful, it doesn't align. So it goes away naturally. You just reminded me of something really uh, this fascinating um, uh, image that somebody gave me. This is probably 25 years ago. I heard this and it's always really stuck with me. The, the, the journey of consciousness, Right. Like, you know, what, what Fatima was talking about, like, you know, going deeper, the, you know, I've, I'm already a Reiki master. I'm already doing things, but there's, there's more, there's like, there's, there's a, there's a journey of consciousness that, that, um, that's a refining journey because the way the person described, they said, imagine that you live inside of an upside down ice cream cone, like a gigantic upside down ice cream cone. And when you're, um, you know, when you're, when you start out in life, you may not be a particularly like conscious person. You're not like really thoughtful and wise, you know, you're just doing what you feel like doing because you feel like doing it. I was, I mean, I remember being like 11 years old and like stealing some little tchotchke from a store. Right. And because I was 11 years old, I was an idiot. Right. And I thought that was just cool to do. I couldn't do that now on a bet. There's no way in the world I could permit myself to do something dishonest. Right. It's just it's I just if if I were to accidentally do something like that, I'd have to go back and wrap myself out. It's like there's just no way it's not in my consciousness anymore. So here's what how it works. When you are at the lower level of consciousness, there's a lot of room to move around inside of that cone. The higher your consciousness goes, the narrower the walls get. And so as you go up in consciousness, your your the permissible behaviors the things that you will allow yourself the luxury of so to speak get less and less you become 
you know, you, you refine your being. Now, eventually at the top of the cone, you come out and then you're just everything. You're just out there and, you know, there's no, you're not coming from a place of rules, but you definitely stop um, as time goes on with your uh, increased level of consciousness, you become um, less uh, accepting of, of uh, a lack of integrity lack of impeccability you've got to be more impeccable you've got to have more integrity you've got to be more accountable you just have to you know and so you're going up that that's what's happening for you you're just going up and you're it's like yeah i guess i'm gonna have to play a bigger game because that's where i am that's the only thing i'm allowed to do anymore absolutely um how can we support you what can we do to stay in touch with you how do we um, well, some of you have been making some very nice comments here in the chat, and I appreciate that. And um, you're all welcome to reach out anytime and you know share your thoughts, or if I said anything that mattered to you and you want to tell me about it, uh, um, you could email me, you could Facebook message me, um, you know, just stay in touch. And if I if I write another book, I'll uh, you know I'll let you all know about it. And yeah, but. Um, you, you could. I don't have to give you all this right now. You could put that in your thing, right? Just give my like, email on my Facebook page, and absolutely, okay. I will okay. send an email out with all of that. How amazing is this group? I absolutely love doing this because I like it lights me up. I I get to know that Tuesday nights are coming, and I and this is the world I get to choose to live in, and it's so much fun. Well, it's such a gift. And I know that everybody here is grateful for your having made this happen, like created a space for this kind of this level of conversation, which is incredible. And I could, you know, I'm looking around at all of you. You're just all lit up beings. So uh, I, I'm very honored to have been part of this. Thank you, Steve. This has absolutely been wonderful. I was so excited when we connected and and it you said yes to being on. And it's such an honor to be part of your journey. I'm always going to say yes to you. No problem. <laughs> I love it. Oh, wait, I do have a question. That is, I, I one of the questions I've been asking is, what had you say yes to me? Because I everyone's like, how do you get these amazing people to say yes to you and beyond? So what had you say yes to me? You, um, you've got that, you know, authenticity and, and enthusiasm and light and wisdom. I mean, it's just who you are just invites that. So... You're the you're my people. I want to hang out with you. And I want to hang out with the people you know. I love it. I, I have made it a point now to remember to ask that because it it I get that question every time, like, how? How'd you get like these amazing <laughs> people together? So I'm like, let's ask. That's cool. Yeah. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I so appreciate and love each and every one of you. Have the most magical Tuesday night.